Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Amen. Amen. So every time we come together and sing and worship, we should sing. Everybody should sing. I'm telling you, we're going to talk about this in the days ahead, about singing to the Lord and just need to get in the habit of singing. If you don't like singing, then you're not going to want to go to heaven. There's a lot of music in heaven, a lot of music. And at least we know there's at least a trumpet player in there by the name of Gabriel. And then um, I imagine they have the organ up there, Trey, <laughs> drums and, and all that, but and probably instruments we never heard of, you know, and so... Um, just get in the habit of singing. As I was singing, I, I like to have the kids with me when, I, when I'm worshiping, just as a way of um, getting them ready to worship God on their own, just with me. Sometimes people want to keep the kids and so forth, but I, I like to have the kids with me so that they can learn how to worship. Amen. And it's not too often that I get this chance to be out in the, in, among the members and not up preaching. <laughs> So I, I like to take advantage of that every opportunity I get. Um, but as we were singing, I, I began to see, I mean, I'm not telling you I, I saw a vision, but I, I used my imagination and I saw a singing to the Lord in, in heaven. And just as we're singing, as we're worshiping, God is on the throne. Jesus is at his right hand. The Holy Spirit is within us. And, and as, we're, as we were before the throne of God, I began to see us singing to him. And I'm like, I want to sing. <laughs> you know, I want to I be among those who are singing and praising God. So if you can just use your imagination doing praise and worship as we're singing the songs that we, we are singing to the Lord. Amen? Amen? God is receiving our praise. He's rece- receiving our worship. We're not just doing this. Um, just out of religion, religion, but we're doing it out of a, um, a heart of thanksgiving. We're doing it out. Our response to him saving us through his son, Jesus, we are singing praises to him. And so that's one of the things that we need to get used to is singing. If you don't sing to the Lord on a regular basis, just get in the habit of doing so because God enjoys our singing. Um, uh, I think it's about 116 times throughout the Bible, he tells, he commands us to sing. So, if we, you know, it's amazing that we can select scriptures that we want to obey. But what about the one that tells us to sing? So get in the habit of singing to the Lord. And I'm telling you, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire wrote a song years ago called um, Sing a Song. I mean, they, did, they had a revelation of the power of singing. And how much more? I mean, when you sing to the Lord, God, God does something. And again, when we go to heaven, we're going to be singing for all eternity. And we got a song that the angels don't have. They've never been redeemed. And so we can sing as redeemed people. Angels and prophets of old, um, they desire what we have. You know, they didn't have the fullness of the spirit. They didn't have redemption applied to their lives like we do. 
So we, you know, Bible says God, let's go over there. Um, John chapter four, by the way, I am preaching right now. John chapter four, John chapter four, let's look at verse 24, 22, uh, 21. Jesus said to her, this is the woman, and um, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. I, I thought that was always interesting. Uh, one time I preached at my old, old church in Oklahoma, and I just harped on, woman, believe me. Woman, believe me. Uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Someone has the VHS, so on. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is what? Seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And so here Jesus is redefining the woman's um, whole theology about worship, and he, she's saying the hour is coming. He said the hour is coming, and then he turns around and he says the hour is now. Everybody say now. now. The hour is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father. So we are called, one of the reasons why God saved us is to call us, to have us fulfill the calling of a worshiper. So I want you to say this by faith. Say, I am, I am. A, worshiper a worshiper of God. Of God. Okay, so here the scriptures tells, tells us when true worshipers will worship the Father, but they will worship in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking. Everybody say, the Father is seeking. You know, Father God is seeking worshipers. Every single day, he is seeking worshipers on the earth. Will you fulfill that mandate? Will you fulfill that calling daily? So the Father is seeking worshipers. And if he's seeking worshipers, he is missing them. All right, so Lucifer, right, was an archangel, and he was in charge of worship. worship he facilitated worship, and one day he decided to, I'm paraphrasing, he decided he wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to receive some of that worship that he was supposed to facilitate. And here he begins to set up a rebellion against God, which was stupid, right? <laughs> Got two-thirds, was it two-thirds? One-third. All right, just want to see if you got the Bible. One-thirds of the angels to, to side with him, which was dumb. I mean, like, they, they saw God do some crazy things, and yet they wanted to uh, rebel against God. Well, how ridiculous is that? Oh, we're going to rebel against God, all right, the one who created us. Um, and so one-third of the angels, they decide to, and so... Lucifer was in charge of the worship, and yet the Bible says when he, when sin entered into his heart, the Lord kicked him out of heaven. Not only did he, he actually kicked him out of heaven, because Jesus says, I saw Lucifer. Let's go over there, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Let's look at verse 17, 18. It says, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw who? Satan fall like what? From heaven, right? 
So, so Jesus saw Satan fall out of heaven. Like, so the Lord kicked him out of heaven. And guess what? Ever since that time, the Father has been missing worshipers. So he's seeking. So we have a place as the church of the living God to fulfill where Lucifer missed, messed up. Amen? Amen. All right. Father God, we come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I thank you that your word is life to us, healing to our flesh. And I thank you for what you're going to do in us and through us today. I vow to give you glory and honor. Father, I pray, Father, for your people that you'll grant unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened. Father, I pray that you hijack their darkness and bring them light where there is darkness. Bring them understanding where there is ignorance, where there is a, 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 um, a heart in heart, give them a soft one. Father, I pray that you will cause us, holy by your spirit, to make making us into a worshiper of yours. Father, not only individually, but also as a family, not only as a family, but as a church, as, a, as, a, as public worship. Father, I pray that we will, our aim is to worship you. That is the ultimate priority. That is the ultimate goal. Is you, you've always been seeking worshipers since Lucifer decided to, to quit the job. I thank you, Father, um, that when Lucifer decided to quit the job and you decided to fire him at the same time, I thank you that you replaced him with the church. I thank you that not only did you replace him, but now you, not only are you our creator, but you are our father. And our spirits cry, Abba, Father. And so we respond to this call. We respond to this mandate to worship you. For we shall worship you in everything that we say and do. And God, we give your name glory and honor. I just want you to lift up your hands for the next few moments. And I want you to use your words and you worship our Father. Father, we worship you. We bless you. You are God and God alone. There is none like you. We, we declare um, that you are good and you are awesome. We say with our mouths and believe in our hearts that you are wor worthy of our praise. So we praise you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We worship you. Come on, people of God, just a few more moments. We worship you and we praise you. You can't get this moment back. You can't get this moment back, so take advantage of it. We worship you. We praise you. We exalt you. We extol you. We, we speak well of you. We bow our hearts down before you. And we say you are God. You are awesome. You are sovereign one. You are king. You are um, omnipresent. You're, you're omniscient. You're all-knowing. You are healer. You are provider. You are um, um, friend. You are father. You are prince. You are king. You are everything. You feel all in all. We bless you. The immortal, invisible God. You are immortal. There is none like you. I thank you that heaven uh, is your throne and earth is your footstool. And our spirits cry, Abba, Father, Father God, hallowed be, hallow be your name. We hallow your name in this place. We hallow your name in our hearts. Father, I pray that this is spilled over into our family worship. This, this is spilled over into our home worship, our individual worship, our work worship. Father, as we go to work, whether it's today or tomorrow or the next day, I thank you that we are worshipers of yours. In Jesus' name, grant unto me your son, your slave, supernatural divine utterance, that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. I thank you for this revelation that you are giving to us concerning family worship. I thank you that, Lord, as we build an altar at home, 
that I thank you that our lives will be forever changed. I thank you that our children will be forever changed. Our marriages will be ever changed. Our singleness will be ever changed as we build an altar unto you at our home, as we build altars in the car, as we build the altars at the job. I thank you, Father, that you are seeking altars. I thank you you're building altars in our hearts. I thank you everywhere we go, we'll build an altar. I thank you, Father. You desire altars all over the place. That we will we'll bring your presence everywhere we go. We'll bring your presence everywhere we go. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We'll build the altars of God all over. All over. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we praise you. We glorify you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God desires to build for us to build altars. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for utterance in the Holy Ghost. And sometimes when you're praying and you don't know how to express it in English or your native tongue, that's when you can pray in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So um, we're going to talk about family worship part two. Last week we talked about family worship. The week before we talked about anointed to be with him. And the week before we talked about alone in his presence. How many of you have been spending individual time with God every single day? Or maybe you skipped a day or two here and there. But it is to develop a discipline of spending time with God every single day. Day. And how many know that even as we shared last week or the week before, that God will pay you for spending time with him? Amen. Hebrews 11.6, he that in faith, without faith is impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, as King James says. And so God will reward you for seeking him. Is, is, spending time with God there is, is, is never a wasted day, a wasted moment. When we spend time with God. Amen. And so today we're going to build upon what we shared last week, family worship, part two. And the title is uh, um, Build an Altar in the Home. Build an Altar in the Home. Satan hates the family. The family is the first institution that God established. If Satan can break, break up every family, he would. Family worship is a way for families to learn how to communicate with one to another as well as to the Lord. Family worship is a priority to God. And in God's eyes, how many young people will still be serving God if at home there was an altar built on a daily basis of worship? I'm convinced that it says the um, statistics a few years ago was, I think it was like 22% of professing Christians actually spend time with God at home. So you know the percentage is, is less about family worship. Family worship. Satan is after your kids, but so is God. Our children will not automatically be saved because we desire for them to be saved. We have to be intentional with our kids. Let's not be lazy when, when making our kids' faith our focus. Their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ should govern their entire life. We ourselves must model first and then teach second. Our kids need, our kids need salvation just as we do. Our kids need, need to be reminded 
who God is like, what God is like, like ourselves. Our kids need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they need the, the evidence of that baptism by speaking in other tongues. We're living in some crazy times, some twisted times, and this requires us to pull the plug on technology and of, on the world and plug our kids up to the source, the triune God. Some of our kids are so wired and so connected, they seem like they can't live without technology. They can't live without the television or the computers or, or the games. But how many know if they can learn how to operate the smartphone, they can learn to spend time with God. If they can yield to the devil, they can yield to the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Come on. Your kids can learn how to, our kids can learn how to cuss, right? They can use, use profanity, right? The other day, Destiny used the F word. After I was looking at a show, which I thought was pretty decent, a movie, and then they, 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 they kept using the F word over and over, and so he just said it right out of his mouth. I said, oh, I can't watch this. And it was a surprise because it wasn't supposed to be a part of the, the, the movie. At least I didn't think it was. And then all of a sudden, dude, and then he just responded back to what he heard. I didn't get on to him. I didn't beat him that time. <laughs> I said, it was my fault. God gave me a beating. I said, hey, wait a minute. What are you doing? You're raising your kids up to speak words of the devil. And so just like that, kids can learn how to yield to the spirit and speak in other tongues. And we'll talk about that in a, day, in, in a few moments. Remember, Satan is after your kids. So is God. God wants them for his glory. Malachi, let's go to Malachi chapter 2. That's the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. Let's look at verse 15. Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. Did he not make them one, talking about a husband and wife, with a portion of the spirit in their union? What was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none, of your, let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. So here, God is encouraging or speaking to couples so that the one God is seeking godly offspring. So one of the reasons why God allows people to have kids is so that he can have some God, a godly person in the earth in that generation. See, sometimes we, we have kids or we don't have kids for selfish reasons. But God says, I want, to have, I want you to have kids because I want the faith to be preserved. I want the faith to be passed down to the next generation. In the Middle East, they're having multiple kids. They're talking about having like six or seven, eight kids just for the fact so they can pass the Muslim religion down. I wish to God that Christian couples would get that revelation. It got quiet in here. In America, we, 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 we tend not to want to have a lot of kids. And we look at people who have more than three kids. Strange. Like, like what? Are you crazy? Um, I got two, two friends. And they both got five kids. I said, that's it? That's all? <laughs> five kids. And how many know that five is the number of grace? Come on. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that you go, go out and multiply kids and then you come to the church and say, Lord, can you feed us? <laughs> you said be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> uh, you got you to gotta build your faith in Jesus the provider. Um, there's a lack of individual worship. 
going on, right? As well as a lack of family worship going on. When individual worship is missing, when I say individual, private worship, you and God alone in his presence, if, the, if that is missing, then family worship is replaced and corporate worship is hindered. So when individual worship is missing, family worship is replaced and corporate worship is hindered. God moves as much as he can in our services, but most of the people haven't really dealt with him all week long. So as a praise and worship leader, praise and worship leaders shouldn't beg people to praise God. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be no coach or no cheerleaders. Come on, praise God. Come on, faith. Come on, praise the Lord. Come on, he's been that good to you. You ought to respond. I never beg people to praise God. Why? Because if they knew what I knew, they would be praising too. Amen? And so we're very careful of, of, of preaching at people about not praising God. It's because they haven't spent any time all week. So if you've been spending time with all week, when corporate worship comes, because that's your, that's, the, that's your norm. The norm is, hallelujah, I love you, Jesus, I worship you. The norm is singing to the Lord. But if you haven't been doing that all week, it's a culture shock to you on Sunday. So you, you actually hinder the corporate worship when you don't do private worship, when you don't do family worship. God wants to move in, in ways that we have not yet experienced. But if we don't spend any time with him at home, then we won't, we won't see that in our corporate gatherings. Kids grow up without a true, some kids grow up without a true family devotion to God. It's time to change this ship. Our ship is going one way. I'm talking about our society and even um, the Christendom in America, our society is going one way. Our church is going one way on the ship, but God wants it to go another way. And so it's time to change it. Pa parents, especially fathers, are called to lead their children in the presence of God. We, when we are out of place, God is replaced with idols. When we are out of place, God is replaced with idols. Parents really generally rely upon the church to do all the religious training for their children. But I believe that if, now listen, I'm going to say something really, really um, controversial, but it's okay. I believe that if children were discipled at home on a regular basis, there would be no need for children and youth ministry. If family worship Individual worship was done on a regular basis and children were being discipled in the ways of God, there would be no need for children and youth ministry. Children and youth ministry are needed because parents are not discipling their own kids at home. Now, I'm not going to take kingdom kids away, so don't be afraid of that. <laughs> I'm simply saying that if we were regularly spending time helping our kids to understand who God is, who they are in Jesus, and who the Holy Spirit is, I believe that that would be the icing on the cake. It is unlikely that 
Exposure to the church once or twice a week will impress your children enough with the greatness and glory of God that they will want to pursue him once they leave your home. Let me say it again. It is unlikely that exposure to the church once or twice a week will impress your children enough with the greatness and glory of God that they will want to pursue him once they leave your home. This is why family worship is important. But even more importantly, God deserves to be worshipped daily in our homes by our families. God is a family God, and he is worthy of family worship. Amen. Sometimes you get people who have individual worship, and they think, some, the unbeliever, I mean, the unbeliever, some believers think that individual worship, and that's it. But God says, no, I want the individual worship. I want the family worship, and then I want the corporate worship. Amen. Let's look at some examples from the Bible. Go with me to Genesis chapter 18. Building an altar in the home. Um, Genesis 18. Genesis 18. Let's look at verses 17 and 19. Genesis 18, verses 17, 18, 19. The Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his what? Children and his what? After him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had promised. Notice this, that um, God commanded Abraham... He, that, that he may command his children, that Abraham may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Have you noticed sometimes people get like perhaps there's a prayer line and, they, and, and somebody prophesying, you, your whole house is going to get saved. Household salvation. Ever heard that? But household salvation only comes because somebody shared the gospel with the household. Just because you're in the faith doesn't mean that your kids are automatically be in the faith. And so you intentionally, you have to bring them to a place where they understand the fullness of who God is. Um, go with me to um, Genesis 22, verses 6 and 7. 22. Give you some examples. 22, verses 6 and 7. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took, his, took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Okay, I just want to bring out the fact when Abraham, when God told Abraham to offer up Isaac, um, he, he told his one of his servants, he, Abraham did, he says, the lad and I are going to worship, we'll be back. And so here, Isaac was familiar with Abraham offering up offerings to the Lord. So he was like, you got the, you got the fire, you got the wood, where's the lamb? This is familiar to me. So, so Isaac knew what Abraham was about to do, but he didn't know that he was going to be the offering. But I just want to bring out the fact that he was familiar with family worship that was common for him to offer up a burnt offering to the Lord. Amen. 
Abraham again said, the lad and I will be back as we go to offer a sacrifice and worship God. Again, Isaac knew that the, that, that the worship of God included firewood and a lamb. Again, because God commanded Abraham to worship God, worship him with his family. So Isaac knew when an element of the worship of God was missing because Abraham must have frequently led his family in the worship of God. There were a lack of worshipers even during Abraham's time, just like there are in ours. Isaac learned how to pay his tithes by learning from Abraham. The Bible says Abraham, Isaac tithed all that he had. He learned that from Abraham. Jacob tithed all he had. He learned that from Abraham and Isaac. So here you see, again, the, the, um, the worship of God continually. Okay, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Look at verses 4 through 7. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. It says, Hear, hear, O Lord, O, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, with all your, with all your might or strength. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them. Listen to this. You shall teach them diligently to you, to, to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign of your hand that shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Again, here, here we see God commanding the people of God to sit down with their children and to command them or instruct them in the ways of God. Um, the Lord has always commanded his people to teach their children the things of God. Parents should use every opportunity to teach the things of God to their children on a consistent basis, especially during family worship. Let's go to Joshua 24. Joshua 24. Joshua 24. Let's look at verse 20, verse 15. Verse 15 says this, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers serve in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as far as, far as me and my house, we're going to do what? We will serve the Lord. How could one serve the Lord in their, and, um, with their family back then? They didn't have regular church services like we'd have today. It wasn't like they went to the synagogue because, again, it was still, God was still revealing himself in such a way. They didn't meet on a regular basis as it, as it relates to worship, the corporate worship. They might have met like once or twice a year. So how could Joshua say, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord? That means that he had to do some type of family worship on a consistent basis. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 26 talks about husbands bring the pure water of the word into their homes as they are spiritually cleansing and refreshing in the, through the practice of family worship. Go, let's go to a couple more scriptures. Building, build an altar 
in the home. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If I can find it, right? Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at verse 4. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but what? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Again, here's a New Testament instruction. Again, parents, especially fathers, are supposed to bring their children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is, this is a command. But unfortunately, the average father... If he goes to church, he'll, most of the kids don't really see him at home praying or instructing through the word on the average. First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three. We see here, this is the qualification of an elder, or overseer, or pastor, or bishop. And in this, in um, verse 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, it says, For if, if someone does not know how to manage his own house, how will he care for God's church? Okay, so managing one's house. See, I could be disqualified. I could be called, anointed, and, and flowing in the gifts. But if I'm not managing my house, I'm disqualified to be in the pastor. Managing one's household, well... Include managing worship in one's own house. If the man who's called to pastor oversee cannot lead his family into worship, how can he lead the church into worship? Impossible. Impossible. So God puts a high demand on parents, especially fathers, to take spiritual responsibility in the other house. Unfortunately, today we see um, wives and, 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 and mothers, they take the lead because the fathers are not there or they're passive. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. And I do believe that this is my last scripture. Some of y'all don't have faith. Acts chapter 2. <laughs> Verses 38, 39. So this is the day of Pentecost. Um, Peter's up preaching and 3,000 people get saved. Um, and so here he goes. He said, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of what? Of who? Of the Holy Spirit. So not only should we receive salvation, being born again, but we should receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is for who? For you and who else? Well, oh, wait, you mean to tell me that God expects expect six-year-old Johnny to speak in tongues? You better believe it. It is, it really is too late, not too late, but it really isn't God's design for us to get saved and feel when we're older. It is God's design as a child to receive Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to be discipled. That is God's will. If you're a parent, maybe your kids are grown now. you got grandkids. 
God's giving you a second chance. <laughs> Maybe you got great-grandkids. God is giving you a third chance. <laughs> All right. Maybe you're single. You don't have any kids. God is expecting you to first master of being individual worship or private worship. Learn how to be consistent with God alone before, before a husband or wife and kids come alone. Because <laughs> if you can't spend time with God alone now, wait till you get married, husband and wife is like, I need you to do, 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 do. Oh, man, it's hard to spend time with God because you, you have to built in that discipline before. And so here, Peter says, the promise is not only for you, but for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so God expects your, you to be filled, for you to be saved, for you to get baptized in water, and for you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He expects your children to receive Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, and to get baptized as well. Y'all see that, right? This promise is for you and your children. So don't deny your child the, the opportunity, first, to receive Christ, the second, to receive the fullness of the Spirit. I received the filled, I got saved at four, and I filled the Holy Spirit about six or seven. So I've been speaking tongues a long time. I prayed with hundreds of kids, little kids, to receive the baptism. A friend of mine, she, was a, um, she did a short-term missionary work with Team Mania, um, Run, um, run loose back in the day, and they went to Mexico, and they were ministering to the little children. Um, and she's Hispanic, so she had to speak in English and Spanish. And she began to minister salvation to the kids. And then she told the kids, she says, "Now it's time for you to receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues." And so the kids came up with hungry hearts, and they lifted up their hands. And remember, the kids couldn't speak English. And so she began to lay hands on the kids, and their tongue was, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, realizing they did not know how to speak English. And their tongue was, thank you, Jesus, that they was responding to the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, God wants to pour out his spirit upon you and your children, or your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. Amen? Amen? It's not limited to our gen just one generation. God is a generational God. Everybody's talking about the millennials, but we need to think about the next generation, ages 4 through 18. And we saw from Psalm 78 where God talked about how he, wants, he even wants to unborn. Let's go over there. Psalm 78, real quick. Psalm 78. God is after your children and your children's children and your children's children. He wants this legacy of the faith to go on until he comes back. Psalm 78, let's look at it again, verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my teachings. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. It will, oh, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them, listen to this, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Some people keep the spiritual things away from their children. I've seen parents over and over and over again. You're not ready for that. How could we deny children who are hungry for Jesus? Jesus said like this, don't forbid the kids to come. Remember the kids were trying to come to Jesus and he wanted to lay hands on them? 
And the disciples said, no, 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 you can't touch the master. And he says, do not suffer the children to come, for such is the kingdom of God. God wants your children. He wants to lay hands on your children. He wants your children to be saved, filled, and discipled. And it goes on, verse 5, says, he established a testimony of Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded to our fathers to teach who? To their children, that the next generation may know them. And what's the next part? The children yet, what? Unborn, arise and to tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God and keep his commandments. That they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, but a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. God wants your children to be faithful to him. So we got to create a culture. We got to build an altar at home for our children to come to faith. The Bible clearly implies that God deserves to be worshipped daily in our homes by our families. Matthew Henry, some of y'all familiar with, he has this commentary of the entire Bible. Um, and a lot of people like him, but many people didn't know that he was a Puritan. Um, Matthew Henry said this, turn your families into little churches. A church in the house will be a good legacy. Nay, it will be a good inheritance to, to be left to your children after you. Again, he says, turn your families into little churches. Now, don't get the idea, like, let me just do family worship and we don't have to go to church. Wrong, wrong thing to do. But in addition to coming to church, you need to have a little church at your house, an altar. Here the Reformation must begin. If the homes are changed through family worship, the church will be changed. If the homes are changed through family worship, the church will be changed. Just imagine your kids excited to come to church. If you're not excited to come to church, they're not going to be excited to come to church. If your kids don't like prayer, you, it might be that you don't like prayer. We got to create that culture. There are three elements of family worship. One is to read the Bible. Second is to pray. Third is to sing. Um, or you can look at the three S, the three S's as reminders. Scripture, supplication, and song. Scripture, supplication, and song. So these are the three ways in which we are to build this altar at home. Um, read. Read the Bible to the best of your ability. Read it with passion and understanding. Clarify the meaning of key verses to improve their understanding. Perhaps ask the children to choose a verse or phrase to explain to you. And then have them pick out one for you to explain to them. So you got to spend some time reading the Bible to your children. What, what a wonderful opportunity it is to, to lead them in worship. The second, you need to pray. How many know the family that prays together what? You know, that's a true saying, even though it's not found in the Bible. It's a true saying. If you pray together, you'll stay together. This is why sometimes I discourage, and this is controversial, but I discourage single people to pray with their potential spouse. Because what if you don't, you pray in your heart out to this person, and then they pray in their heart out to you, and then, yo, you know, I just love you. Let's hold hands. And, and there's been it's, been, it's been known that, they go from the prayer time to the bedroom. 
all through the power of prayer. Utilizing prayer. Let's pray together. My wife will tell you, we prayed very few together while we were dating. Like, you pray about that and I pray about this. Because prayer binds you together with a person. It, you, it develops a soul tie with that person on a good sense. So I dis, I've been doing that for years, discouraging young people for years to not pray with the opposite sex when they're in relationship with them. Um, but pray, pray together. As a family, you need to pray together. Pray the scriptures. Pray the Bible. Pray through the Bible. So let's say you can, you're going through Psalm 23 as, as a family worship. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Okay. So you will pray, Father, I thank you for being our shepherd today. Shepherd us. We're going through a time of financial difficulties or, or sickness or suffering. Shepherd us through this time. You just simply flip it. Begin to pray it out. They will learn how to pray be, at, through praise and work, through prayer as you pray. As parents, you are, to, you are teaching them how to pray. Last one, the last element is to sing. Sing with a songbook or a hymnal. Um, sing songs from the church, from the set that you heard the week before. Um, you can sing with um, the same song throughout the week. Or you can sing a different song each, each day. Um, it, but it's important that you sing together with your family. Sing. As you grow in your daily family worship, consider on top of the, the reading the Bible and praying and singing, perhaps you, you will consider catechisms. To catechize. Catechism, which is simply a centuries by which Christians through tradition, used to, to um, question and answer and approach to biblical doctrine. Um, it could be used successfully with children as young as two years old. For example, it could be the question, who made you? And the, the response is, God made me. So you, what, what are you doing? You're using catechisms in order to instruct your children in the ways of God. Some of y'all may be familiar with that as it relates to um, coming out of Catholicism. They're real big on that. They ask you a question and you respond back to it. Um, there was a pastor by the name of Richard Baxter. Richard Baxter. He was a um, pastor and he began to do this catechism. The entire town that he was in, he would meet with like, let's say, 20 people per day, 20 families. Uh, if somebody just got married, he would go over there and teach that father how to lead family worship. And then he would turn around through catechism. He would ask questions and whatnot throughout, you know, throughout the town. They said that they, they felt his ministry 100 years after he was dead. He impacted this entire region, um, not this region, but the region that he was pastoring in. He, he impacted to the place that the bars were closing down and people were coming to faith. So it's a powerful thing. Then you have... The memor mem to memorize scripture, that's another way. I think next year we're thinking about plan doing a plan of scripture memory plan. In the meantime, you can use, um, in Kingdom Kids, they have scriptures they need to be memorizing throughout the week. and so Or you can create your own. Even learning one verse per month, doing something to help your children to know the truth. And my last suggestion is this, is... Um, to read other books. So if you have some extra time, 
maybe once a week after, you know, you're doing your family worship every day. And let's say on Sundays, you decided that you want to um, read another book. Let's say The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. You, you read that after you have done family worship. Let's say you read a chapter or two per day, per week. Um, at the close of family worship, you want to take advantage of the opportunity to read Christian books or Christian biography to your children so they can grow up learning about God in other forms. All right. And these are just three reminders as you do family worship. You need to be brief. Everybody say brief. Good average time to, 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 to read the Bible and pray and sing. Um, it should be really between 10 to 20 minutes a day. You don't want to do an hour every single day because your child is like, man, this is hard, man. Like, really? Do you have to do this? Like, uh, you don't want to make, make it seem boring, so you want to take 10 to 20 minutes a day. Now, you may have a Bible study where it be longer on the weekends or once a, month, once a week or something, but on a daily basis, just make it real short. Then you need to be consistent. Try to, to have a regular time each day for family worship, whether it be morning or after dinner or right before bed. Do something that will work for your family culture. And the last is to um, be flexible. Find the time that is best for your family. Um, it may not necessarily be in the morning, maybe afternoon, maybe lunchtime, dinner time or whatever, but you got to pick what's good for you. Father, we do thank you for this time as we um, talked about building an altar at home. Pray that your people will grab hold of this and apply this to their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.